Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Pre-Med Office Hours, episode 133, formerly called Ask Mapped, formerly called Ask the Dean. I, I feel like Prince here, like the artist <laughs> formerly known as. Yep. Uh, we are the medical school HQ advising team, at least three-fifths of us. Uh, we're, we're hanging out today um, to answer your questions here on the newly branded pre-med office hours because that's who we are. We're pre-med experts. Uh, my name is Dr. Ryan Gray, the host of the pre-med years, the MCAP podcast, the old pre-meds podcast, Ask Dr. Gray podcast, uh, specialty stories podcast, e-shadowing, and many more probably. Um, I'm joined by an oh, author of the pre-med playbook, all of those fun things. <laughs> I'm joined by my co-founder at Mapped, Rachel Grubbs. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good. Uh, it's been an interesting morning, but uh, I'm, I'm getting better. And this is always one of my favorite parts of the week right here. Nice. Um, and also joined by Verinia Granum, former assistant dean in the pre-health and STEM advising at Hofstra University. Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Once again, we're <laughs> emphasizing that H and the O. Hofstra. <laughs> A little yes. behind the scenes jokes. Yes. Holstra. Um, we are here to answer some questions. And and one of those questions that always comes up is, hey, um, I want to make my school list and I'm going to use U.S. News and World Reports to do it. There was some big news in the pre-med and med school world yesterday. Harvard University or Harvard Medical School, rather, uh, sent out a note from their dean to their community that they are withdrawing their participation in U.S. News and World Reports. There have been other schools over time that have done this, but no such big name as Harvard. Um, and so I think it's the first domino to fall. We have seen over the last couple months many, 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 many prestigious law schools also removing participation, and the question has um, kind of been brought up, well, are med schools next? And I hope, I hope that the answer is yes. Uh, I do have a really good podcast episode. I think it's really good. Um, where I went on a rant, where I often go, uh, talking about the methodology that U.S. News and World Reports uses, it's public, uh, public information for their methodology. I think it's episode 432. Someone can fact check me on that and uh, we'll, we'll put a link up. Premediers.com slash 432 is an episode I did breaking down the methodology of the U.S. News and World Reports and talked about what a flaming pile of garbage it is. Um, <laughs> you, you, have to, you have to remember um, that it was created uh, just like the college rankings were created. They were created to sell magazines, period, end of story. Uh, and now we're not in the magazine age anymore. We're in the website click game. And that uh, continues. The, the U.S. News and World Rankings are there to create links 
um, for people to go to U.S. News and World Reports, their website, to view ads. Um, and so using their rankings to build school lists, thinking that there is some impact of their rankings on your education or your future career is uh, a misrepresentation of what it actually is. Rachel, Brittany, any other follow-up thoughts? Uh, I 100% agree. Uh, don't let a magazine that has no expertise uh, be your decider. Uh, I think pre-med years 432 is a great thing to understand the data behind U.S. News and World Report because it's one thing for us to say it's bunk. It's another thing for you to go see the kinds of questions they're asking and who they're asking of and realize very quickly, oh, this has almost nothing to do with student experience at the med school. Yeah. Um, however, this question is always so closely tied to, but then how do I pick a med school? Yep. So I will plug pre-med years 437, which is how to build the <laughs> ultimate school list. Just five <laughs> short weeks later, we, yep. we came up with another great episode, how to build yeah. that school list. Yeah. So also check that out. Bernie, mm-hmm. you, you interacted mm-hmm. with lots of pre-med students at, at Hofstra. Uh, what, what do you think is a mistake that students make when building their school list outside of U.S. News and World Reports? And and what is something you highly, highly, highly recommend they do? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just looking at stats, looking at where my stats fit. Do I meet these cutoffs as they think of, you know, MCAT and and median uh, GPA and things like that? Those aren't cutoffs. Those are just (laughs) numbers to get to tell you, hey, there's a percentage of students that fall in this range. There's another percentage that fall in another range. Um, I emphasize a lot your, you know, doing your research. And like Rachel was just saying that when they create those lists, they're not talking to students, right? So go to the student pages, go to their social media. If they have um, those lists don't really tell you anything about how you will enjoy yourself there. Are you just going to take somebody else's word for it, right? Do your own research. I think many times students just see one thing and that's it. They don't do any more critical like analysis but of that what takes else work Verinia. that takes lots of hard hey. work and time and <laughs> thinking yes as if medical school is not going to be hard work um and we even I help. want it easy i, I feel yeah. like Ver- is it uh veruca uh from from charlie and the chocolate factory oh, yeah. she's like yes. i want to golden goose daddy i want yeah. it now like yes. i want a school list and i want it now <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we we kind of sort of made it a little bit easier for you all. Just check out this podcast. Oh man, someone's um, gonna cut that and make a meme out of it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you got to do the work. Got to put in the work. It's it's not easy doing a school list the way that we recommend it, and it's the right way to do it. Yeah, we're a little biased, but hey, what are you gonna do? But we're the pre med experts. <laughs> Self self appointed. <laughs> That is that is true. That is true. Um, all right, friends, ask your questions. Premed.tv is our YouTube channel. That's where you can ask us questions for uh, pre-med office hours. So if you have questions, ask. If there are no questions right now. No, I then... think we've got a couple. Carly is behind the scenes. There she goes. There go. Cylindrical worm. Are there non-cylindrical worms? Probably, probably squished ones. Thinking. 
<laughs> De- Dead worms. flat, like tape worms. Tape worms. Flat, right? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, right. there you go. Uh, our second, our secondary <laughs> essays that ask us to explain grades of a B minus or below and withdrawals, a test to see how much responsibility we take. Any examples of good slash acceptable uh, red flag answers to this question? <sighs> Verinia, secondary essays. Is it a test? Um, I I don't know if I really like this question because coming at it from is it a test makes it seem like there's a right answer to the question. And and I can definitely think of wrong answers to this question, but is there a right answer to this question? No. Is there – sorry, is there a right answer to this question? Yeah. The right answer is explain the grade – B minus or less or whatever that is. And what, what happened? That's all they're asking. They're not necessarily testing you. Um, just answer the prompt, explain what happened um, in that particular class. Well, I think what they're looking for and, and the wrong answer would be, well, my professor gave me this grade. This isn't what I deserved. Um, you know, you're kind of making excuses for it yep. um, as opposed to just, owning it, explaining what happened, um, and withdrawals as well. So that would be, I guess, a red flag. How are you handling, how are you explaining what happened in that situation? That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's something about this question that rubs me the wrong way because on on one hand, I'm like, questions tend to not have ulterior motives, right? They're asking what Mm -hmm. they're asking. On the other hand, yeah, the whole medical school admissions process is largely centered around how hard you work and how mature you are, right? Mm -hmm. So absolutely, they're looking for qualities that you're good physicians. And since there are thousands and thousands of applicants, one of the ways they measure your ability to handle the rigor of med school is GPA. Um, I would not freak out about some grades below B minus or some withdrawals. Those are normal, but just, yeah. And again, you know, cylindrical worm, whoever you are in real life, um, it might just be, you know, these, these comments are limited. Sometimes you just have to squeeze the words in to get the point across. But it, it seems like you think this is some game you're going to play. And that's not the right way to go about it because you don't know the rules of the game and you'll never win. Like always, always the best answer is to just answer honestly and authentically and reflect. Think about, you know, what did happen to get you those grades that were under B minus or what did happen to get you withdrawals. And like Brania said, just answer honestly. Yeah, and it's not about how much responsibility you take, but just taking the responsibility for it, period. It's There's no, you know, did they sort of, maybe a little bit. It's just accepting that something happened, this is what happened, the end. Yeah. Yep, yep. Emmanuel, hey all, I hope you are doing well. My question is about the AMC preview exam. <laughs> so pre- preview didn't learn from Casper how nobody knew how to like properly capitalize Casper. <laughs> so Casper's like, screw it. We're, we're, we're just doing normal, uh, proper case, capital C, lowercase Asper. <laughs> and then preview came out with capital P, capital R, capital E, lowercase V, I, E, W. And anyway, uh, will all schools require it this year? How important is the WMC preview? Uh, no, all schools will not require it. Um, I tried to look yesterday um, because in Application Academy it came up and they used to have a list of schools that wanted it and now they don't have one. And it just says all participating AMCAS schools uh, may want it. So I I think 
at, at the end of the day, you're just going to have to go school by school and see what they require. And then how important is it, Rachel? Is that an impossible question to answer? Uh, well, whoops. Whoa, we're fighting over cameras. Sorry, Carly, you're in charge. I have a thing where I'm like, when in doubt, I'll run cameras. Um, it's actually not really known how important it is yet because it's pretty new. So all the situational adjustment judgment tests, right? So Casper, which kind of go along with Duet and Snapshot and, and the preview are new enough that one good thing I think about education institutions, like sometimes we get frustrated with them that they move slowly. But in this case, that's positive because some schools are using these exams as a way of assessing med school entrance. Um, but I think more of them are just using it to then track, right? But, you know, I'm going to go ahead and make my decision regardless of this data, but then in four years, I'm going to look at how does this compare to how they actually did throughout med school. Um, you should take it in good faith and do your best. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't know. I just, I, again, it's something you're not in control of, so you can't overthink it. Um, I think the biggest thing I've seen go wrong with both Preview and Casper is it isn't always super clear what schools are doing it because like right now, for example, the WMC doesn't have a list. And at some point closer to the start of the application cycle than you might guess, there may be an updated list somewhere, either on the preview signup or on the med school's web pages. And I think what a lot of people do is they start doing their research in January or February, forgetting that a lot of the dates and the data put out there are still for the current cycle. So around the time you're submitting your primary application, you should be double checking. Um, because last year I, I saw many students say, I got rejected outright because I didn't do the Casper preview and I didn't even know I was supposed to. I'm like, well, you, like they don't spoon feed it to you. You got to do the research. And sometimes the testing company lists the schools and sometimes it's on the school website and sometimes it's part of the school secondary and you just got to check all the places because right now, unfortunately, there's not a consistent um, place for that data and it does change year to year. So make sure even if you're researching it now that you're checking again in April or May because that that might be when the data gets updated. Yep, yep. Yeah, and, and just a, a kind of a follow-up to that, just because it's required, again, kind of going to what you were saying, Rachel, just because it's required doesn't mean it's used. Uh, and so you, you just never know how it's going to be used. Schools may be just wanting to collect data on, hey, it, it looks like 90% of the people that we – accepted last year scored in the top quartile uh, of Casper. And that may be useful information. Uh, or they may look at uh, the, all of the students they accepted and there was an even distribution between all the quartiles of Casper, which probably is not a good thing. Uh, and so uh, the, I think a lot of schools are using it for data collection and not necessarily using it in admissions at this point. I, I know specifically because um, I have a pretty good relationship with one of the co-founders and co-creators of Casper is that they are pretty adamant talking to the med schools that Casper should not be used as a screen out tool. So um, they tell schools, schools can do whatever they want, but their advice to schools is do not use this to remove someone from uh, potentially being accepted by your school. Yeah. Alrighty, Kevin Fun. Hello. Is the ideal program ideal for someone trying to pursue a competitive specialty like radiology? Uh, all MD schools, all DO schools are good for people who want to be doctors. That's yeah. the answer. 
The, the end. The end. The end. Simple, simple. Okay. No, I am a freshman planning on doing EMT as clinical experience. Should there be more than one clinical experience I plan on doing community service, research, uh, et cetera, as well? Uh, Vernia, this comes up a lot. The, <laughs> the fact that um, students are like, I was told that I have to have exactly 3.3 different types of clinical experience <laughs> and shadow 2.75 different types of physicians. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. What's going on here? Good and luck finding. Answer, I'm going to disappear for a minute because I need another drink. So I'll be back. Go for it. <laughs> Good luck finding 0.75 Dr. Sooth to shadow. Um, yeah. So it doesn't matter. It, it, you know, you're gaining clinical experience, right? As an EMT, presumably you're seeing different patients, you're seeing different scenarios, you're, you're involved in different aspects of care for that individual. So no, it's not um, absolutely necessary to kind of, mix things up a little bit. You know, if you're shadowing, you get an opportunity to see other sides of medicine, that's great. Um, but you don't have to change the actual like clinical part of it and the clinical experience. Um, if you're gaining it from being a scribe, if you're gaining it from being a phlebotomist, it's okay. Gaining it uh, from being an EMT. Um, mm -hmm. The point is talking to lots of patients, getting to know what it takes to take care of them and you're gaining that from that one experience you'll be fine yep agreed yep ryan is back yo yo jolie floor zero one one six can you talk about application academy and what is included do we have access to you all for specific questions thank you love this Thank you for asking a question where we can talk about Application Academy. You can learn more at applicationacademy.com. Application Academy is 500 plus hours because you get a year access at 10 plus hours a week, um, roughly uh, on average per week, um, where you interact directly with us. So the five medical school HQ instructors um, are typically in there twice a week where we are covering... Uh, and reviewing personal statements, activity descriptions, secondary essays, doing mock interview prep. Uh, it's small group-ish live sessions. Um, so there's there's typically 15 to 20 students live um, mm -hmm. each session. And you get us for the hour, uh, twice a day, uh, once on Fridays, once on Saturdays. You We have a schedule where you could go, okay, I'm working on my personal statements this week. And you look at the calendar and go, okay, personal statements are Monday morning, uh, Tuesday afternoon, Thursday morning. And, and just depending on the season, we'll ramp up and ramp down kind of what we're doing at, the, at that time. So as of right now, it's uh, mid-January. Interviews are less important right now. So we're not going to do as many interview type office hours. And then we'll, we'll adjust as necessary. Uh, there are a bunch of pre-recorded videos where you can go watch um, to kind of learn about, right? That's our textbook, uh, are the pre-recorded videos as well as the the, the books that I've written. Um, so you can go learn and then you come to office hours, you present essays that you've written, uh, parts of them or whatever. You you volunteer to practice mock interview questions and we we give feedback. So it's an amazing, amazing uh, group of students and we love it. So that's Application Academy. Yeah. Cool. 
Sabrina, should I wait to hear back from schools? I have interviews at or plan a reapplication at this point. Well, Sabrina, if you go to premedworkshop.com, that will redirect you to our reapplication workshop we're doing on the 28th. 26th. Thursday the 26th. Thursday the 26th. Um, So go check it out. Uh, Rachel, Sabrina hasn't heard back from schools that they've interviewed at. What's going on? They had the interview. Could be a lot of things. Um, You got the interview. That's a big, uh, exciting win, right? Um, Courtney Lewis, who is not doing, she's on our team, but isn't doing SMAP or pre-med office hours this week. She was talking about her particular school that she was the director of admissions for last year and was saying roughly that the numbers were 6,000 applicants, only 450 interview seats out of roughly 200 actual seats. So even just getting the cut to an interview is a big, big compliment. Um, In terms of should you wait to hear back? Well, yes, you should wait to hear back and you should continue to hope. I do think this time of year, you should also be thinking about, but what if I have to reapply? So my advice this time of year, Sabrina, is hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And what we wouldn't want is you to have to reapply and then not figure that out until, or not make your peace with it until May or June, and then be up against the gun, right? Um, my guess is there's a lot going on in your application that's pretty great. And because you did say, should I wait to hear back from schools? I have interviews. So it sounds like you have multiple interviews. So that's really exciting. But but you still probably want to look at your application and see, is there anything that happened in the primary or the secondary application that I could improve? And then also, depending on how many interviews you've had, if you haven't heard back from any of those schools, maybe assess what happened with your interviews, right? Were you super nervous? Were you, you know, I've got a nervous tick where I play with my hair and I don't always remember to stop doing it when I'm on camera. <laughs> um, you know, did... Did you um, did you struggle to articulate your why medicine? Um, so I would definitely do some reflection. And then like Ryan said, uh, premedworkshop.com. So Thursday the 26th, that's sometime in the afternoon. I don't remember the exact time. Uh, we'll be doing a workshop to help people go through each kind of key point of the application and what to assess. So when, um, when people ask, you know, how do I play in my reapplication? It's going to vary depending on what your actual application looked like in the first place. But that workshop is going to take people through it. And as always, if you can't make it live, we'll give people access to the recording. So it's always yep. good to sign up, even if you have a conflict that day. It's 3.30 Eastern on the 20th. What's next? Bro, bro. Bro, bro, Dio. According to the MSAR, some medical schools that I want to add to my list show that 90% or more of the admitted students have research experience. If I have zero research experience, am I at a disadvantage? Potentially not. Um, If you look at the AAMC data, um, more students have research than clinical experience. I'm not sure how or why, but that's just that's just what the data shows. Um, the The data is data. It doesn't you you can't make meaning out of the information that it gives you. And so just because and this is, I was on a rant earlier during our team meeting about looking at data and trying to figure out what it means. Um, when it shows that ninety percent of students have research experience. That doesn't mean the school is looking for students 
who have research experience. That means that the students that they accepted have research experience. It doesn't mean they accepted them because of the research experience. It doesn't mean they give them preference because of the research experience. They may have, but we can't give it that judgment based on just historical data, which is what that is, saying, hey, based on last year's class, 90% of students have research experience. We don't know what that means. We just know that 90% of the students have research experience. It's the same argument I make when building a school list based on stats. If you go to the MSAR and you go, okay, I have a 3.6 and a 5.14. I'm going to use the little sliders on the left side of MSAR and I'm going to make my school list based on that. You can't do that because schools aren't just looking at stats in terms of who they're going to accept. The median number that they give, the 25th and 75th percentile, the 10th and 90th percentile information doesn't mean these are the students that we want. That's not what that data means. It just means based on all of the students that we accepted this year, this is their data. It doesn't mean we're only looking for students who have a median MCAT of this, who have a 10th percentile MCAT of this, 10th percentile GPA of this, whatever. Right? You, you, you have to look at that data and go, that's interesting. I can't make any meaning from it. Yep. Lies, Dan lies, and statistics. <laughs> oh, wait. Is that going to ping us on YouTube? Sorry, yeah. YouTube. <laughs> dang dang lies <laughs> no a damn damn beavers build dams all right <laughs> all right carl you got another one for us there we go morgan i'm wondering what your thoughts are for students commuting to med school if the med school is mm -hmm. about a 40 minute drive away it's something i'm considering but i realize med school is intense so i will talk about this uh, as a former med student here <laughs> um at, it's Doable, but not advisable. And I think it really depends on the school that you're potentially looking at. And more specifically, that school that you're looking at, what their attendance requirements are. So there are going to be a lot of classes where you're just not going to, you're not going to have to go. Um, depending on the school, they may record their lectures. They may have a note-taking service. They may have various different things where you don't even need to go to lecture. Some schools have mandatory attendance. Um, the bigger question outside of your preclinical years are going to be your clinical years. You are going to be exhausted. Um, and adding an hour and a half to your day with commute times when we have good data that shows that driving tired is just as bad as driving drunk uh, it's probably not the best idea unless you have uh, better ways of commuting like public transportation or something. Um, so definitely not advisable um, based on my experience. Uh, I, I commuted for a little while to school. It was about 25 minutes. I lived in the Bronx and school was up in Westchester. Don't ask me why I did that. It was dumb. Um, and then, yeah, and then where where are your clinical rotations going to be? So are you 40 minutes away during your preclinical years, but then during your clinical rotations, you're only five minutes away? Then then maybe it is an okay decision. So, yeah, I don't I don't know if there's a, a one one size fits all answer there other than knowing that 
depending on attendance policies and, and other things like that. The other big thing I think is um, the community that you build in medical school. Um, I always liken it to, to going to conferences. I like to stay at the conference hotel because that's where everyone is staying. And that networking and community is huge when going to conferences. It's the same for med school. When you are all together and you're not leaving 40 minutes or an hour early or two hours early because you'd rather go drive your 40 minutes to beat rush hour, um, you're, you're missing out on that opportunity to build that community in med school, which is super, super important. Yep. Yeah. We can take off that application academy too. Uh, Kevin Fun is back. Are reapplicants at a disadvantage? Didn't Kevin just ask the other question too? Yeah. Yeah. About the data. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, there is data out there that shows that reapplicants uh, get into med school at a lower rate. But again, you can't make any determinations based on that. No, you're not at a disadvantage. I think you're you're at a disadvantage if you don't show some kind of growth. <laughs> like if you just submit the same application, then yeah, you right? That's not going to go really well for you. So you want to look at your application, make sure that you've done something uh, along this path that shows that you're continued your continued interest and passion for medicine. Um, yeah, agreed. And Kevin, I think um, some advice for you is go take a stats class. Use some critical thinking skills here. Uh, I'm going to drop you a fun fact we often use in LSAT prep, which is people who eat ice cream are more likely to drown. That's cool. Oh, that's the best website. Have you seen this? Uh, spurious Correlations? Oh, Spurious Correlations. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because people who eat eat ice cream are more likely to drown, right? That's a correlation. Yeah. It's not a cause. Yeah. yeah. Like, when are you more likely to eat ice cream? When it's hot out. When are you more likely to swim? When it's hot out, right? Like there's another factor that's not mentioned, right? And and that's what I want you to understand is like if you start just picking at these random data points, you're going to back yourself into some corners that might not have anything to do with reality. Yeah. I'm sharing my screen here because I love this website. Uh, let me go window here. Um so th this is spurious correlations. If you Google it, this Tyler Vigin, whatever um, website. So he has these correlations. I'll zoom in here um, where this is U.S. science spend or U.S. spending on science, space and technology correlates with suicides by hanging strangu strangulation and suffocation. So you can see like. It, there's a almost a direct correlation there. And so, uh oh, maybe we should stop spending on science, space, and technology because we have we have too many things. Um, number of people who drowned by falling into a pool correlates with films, Nicolas Cage. Darn you, Nicolas Cage. Um, oh, this, this is, is just, th this mm. is uh, exactly what we were going to, right? <laughs> cheese good consumption good. and dying in, in your bed sheets. I do eat a lot of cheese and Stay I away also from eat cheese. my bed sheets. So, wow. Yep. Stay away from it. Yeah. So, anyway. <gasps> I love this. Spurious correlations, friend. Yes. Correlative is not causal. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> Getting PTSD flashbacks from stats class. <laughs> <laughs> flashbacks. Okay. Oops. Okay. Uh, do we have any fresh questions here? Looking through. It's a quiet day today. Yeah. 
Hecker Pobble. <laughs> Hello, Dr. Gray. And Verinia and <laughs> Rachel. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the, f- the future holds for tuition in med schools? Right now, some schools seem unreachable in terms of cost without large amounts of aid, even if you do get accepted. I would say not some schools. I would say most schools um, require a large amount of, excuse me, of financial aid. Um, that's that's the game right now. Uh, again, we were talking about this this morning in our team meeting. Uh, like we have a a potential primary care shortage and with the tuition and costs, uh, not, not even just tuition, the cost of attendance uh, for medical school, the the cost is so high that a lot of people potentially are shunning primary care to go into higher paying specialties because they want to pay back their loans faster, whatever. So yeah, it's, it's an issue and it's, it's not just med school. We, we have a, uh, tuition debt, a, a school debt uh, bubble in this country. I think one and a half trillion dollars, I think it is. Um, it's a huge, huge issue. So, yep. And we, we had a president who tried to help out a little bit with some people and everybody freaked out. So I, I don't know if we're going to solve it um, anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> Um, one one quick thing, uh, going back to that, I, I think we may see um, some creativity, potentially, hopefully, from some medical schools. Something to Google are, are called uh, ISAs, Income Sharing Agreements. Uh, I'm not sure, Rachel or Verena, if you know what those are. Purdue University is one of the biggest uh, universities, regular kind of traditional universities that that is known for this. Um, with a couple of their majors, including uh, some engineering majors. But it, it really started, I think, <clears throat> and I don't know the full history, but where I started hearing about it were very non-traditional schools that would help coders want to go get a job at Google or Facebook or wherever. And the income sharing agreements are basically, we'll educate you for free, but you are going to sign a contract that says we're going to get a percentage of your salary for X number of years, X percentage. Um, and it basically allowed students to not have student debt in the traditional way. Um, and you had more flexibility coming out looking for a job because in this instance, you didn't have to go become an orthopedic surgeon so that you could make $400,000 a year. If you wanted to go find a job when you were done with your coding academy for $50,000 at a, a, a not-for-profit, you mm-hmm. could do that. And the income sharing agreement may say, hey, we're not even going to take any money from you because you're making less than a certain amount. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, there's lots of flexibility with those types of things. And I would love to see uh, some medical schools play with it mm-hmm. um, and, yeah. and see what they can figure out. Yeah, I have read a little about them, and I know our friends at Student Loan Planner. Um, it's just one of the you know many groups out there that helps people manage debt and manage loans. Um, that they have some concerns about them. So not to say that they're all bad, but they can end up costing you more than loans. There's more likely to be a prepayment penalty. So I I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say ISAs are the new solution, but they're a solution. And I think they're going to be 
right for some people and not, you know, not right for others. Taking on debt is, is pretty terrifying to me personally. So something like an ISA sounds appealing, even if I have to pay more later, just because I'm not burdened with the debt now, but you do, you have to really do the math and figure out what's right for you. Yeah. I think there's a, um, I think it was an NPR podcast um, had the president, I believe of Purdue on, talking about it. So if you Google around Purdue income sharing agreements, you can find some good information. All right. Sarah, where can I find credible diagnostic exams for the MCAT besides the AMC? Thank you so much. The AMC doesn't have a diagnostic exam as far as I know. They have five full-length exams, uh, one free one, four that you pay for, or is it six now? One free she one. You might be using diagnostic to just mean practice, right? Like Potentially, sometimes, yeah. So sometimes people language. say diagnostic and they mean half-length initial test I take before I start yeah. my prep. And yeah. I think some people just use that as a catch-all to mean practice tests. Yeah, potentially. Rachel? Yeah, so Sarah, we're, we're potentially a little biased here. We work pretty closely with Blueprint. We like them a lot. Some of you may know I used to work there. I was at Next Step before Blueprint acquired us. Um, I am very proud of those exams that um, our team built, partly because they weren't built once, they were built and rebuilt a bunch of times, right? So in in 2014, 2015, as we were getting information about the last big MCAT change that happened for April 2015, we were building exams from scratch to match the new test rather than trying to recycle old material. And then it's always funny because sometimes I'll hear like random things like, oh, full length six isn't as good as full length two. And I'm like, says who? Since when? Right. Because uh that team is still updating their exams every year. They're constantly tweaking them. So I'm a big fan of Blueprint. And yes, some bias because I used to work there, but also because students keep telling us that those tests are a lot like the real MCAT. And um, although they are our friends, like we're not fans randomly. We're fans because students say they're good. Um, so I do think Blueprint ex uh, MCAT exams are high quality. And, um, and more, more than friends for the FTC people out there. We, we are right. partners with them. They are our official MCAT provider. <laughs> um, that said, um, I also think Altius exams are pretty good. Whoa, I did that. My bad. Huh, look at us all. Except I'm <laughs> like middle. off center. <laughs> Try that. Um, I do think Altius exams are pretty good. And I'll say, honestly, I have some concerns with Altius as a test prep company. Some of the claims they make about score improvement and guarantees seem spurious to me. So if you're going <laughs> to invest in their courses or their tutoring, you're smart people, you're pre-meds, read the fine print. But it does seem like their exams are pretty well made. So um, if you're running out of third party sources, I, I personally would recommend Blueprint after AMC, but I think Altius are pretty good. And then after that, honestly, a lot of them are fine. Like the, the level of difficulty is going to vary MCAT to MCAT. So when people say like, oh, the psych social is too easy or too hard or their chem phys is off base. The truth is on any given day, the MCAT is going to cover a wide variety of topics. There are multiple forms out there and the tests you're taking may not be the same as the tests that the person next to you at the next computer is taking. So variety is good. Take score sales with a grain of salt. Um, and yeah, I mean, there are lots of, you can get tests from Princeton, from Kaplan. I think exam crackers is still making tests. Like even if you don't buy them, most of those companies have at least free one. I mean, I would say cobble together as much practice material as you need to be well-practiced. Hmm. 
Did you have a thing to add? That was like a hmm. No, I was emphasizing hmm. Yeah. Oh, what Rachel said. Yes. <laughs> what she said. <laughs> Christina, for my personal statement, I did not include my desire to work with the underserved because no clinical experience with them, but I have many non-clinical experiences with the underserved. Is it okay to highlight this in my activities? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly where you should talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Absolutely. It doesn't have to be clinical, right? The idea is that you're showing how you serve others, basically. Um, Medical schools want to see that you're a candidate, a well-rounded candidate that cares for others, tries to help others. Um, So absolutely talk about that in your activities. Your activities do not all have to be clinically related. Yep. So our big stance here is that the personal statement is why do you want to be a doctor? Not necessarily what population you want to serve as a doctor. Uh, I know there are other uh, pre-med advisors out there who disagree with us and that's okay. And you can, you can agree or disagree with us. Um, So, so why do you want to be a doctor for the personal statement? And then yes, your activity section is going to highlight the things that you've been filling your time with. And if one of those things or several of those things are serving the underserved, whether it's clinical or non-clinical, you put that in your activity section, you reflect on it, you you talk about the impact that it's had on you. Um, and you don't necessarily need to tie it with why medicine, but reflecting on potentially that impact on you to want to continue to serve that population for whatever reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Billy, any tasks we should be working on as of now to try to be proactive and submit as soon as AMCAS opens, a drafting personal statement, obtaining letters, putting them on Interfolio, etc. cetera? Uh, yes, all of that, except don't put them on Interfolio. Use my LORs, which will be open to everyone starting next week. Uh, my LORs uh, was built from the ground up specifically for pre-med, pre-health students. Interfolio works. Uh, It just doesn't work very well. It's confusing. It's hard to navigate. Um, And we're building um, and launching next week my LORs, which is part of Mapped Pro. So what can you be doing to be proactive? You can start um, gathering all of your transcripts, entering all of your grades into Mapped, which you can do on a free level as well. Um, You can... Uh, you can start requesting those letters as of next week. Uh, We'll store those letters for you until your application opens. And then when the application opens in May, we can transmit those letters to each of the application services. Um, So yes, all of that stuff. And we had mentioned earlier Application Academy. That's basically what Application Academy is, is helping students prepare for the application, getting everyone in a situation, setting them setting them up for success. So again, check out applicationacademy.com where you can you can start working with us uh, as the experts, supposedly, um, to, to help you. Yeah, and even the reapplication workshop that we're doing this week is still relevant to anyone applying this cycle or first-time sure. appliers. You can check that out too. Yeah, it's funny because I always think of am I ready to apply like 
pre-application review and and then application renovation or this reapplication workshop, it's essentially the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like one has essays written already and one may not. But basically, you should, as a pre-med, as a, as a potential applicant, you should be able to assess your own strengths and weaknesses beyond the stats <laughs> and know what kind of application are you putting forward and are there gaps or weaknesses that you can strengthen and now's a great time to do that because then you have four months to fix it before you apply um so yeah definitely recommend every every year we run into people who come to us in mid-may and still hope to apply in late may early june and those people find out the hard way that that's not really a viable thing to do if you want a quality app Right. So, you know, if your life is such that you're going to take the calculated risk to apply in July or August or September, because that's I mean, we don't recommend that. We recommend you apply earlier in the summer. But it's one thing to say, this is just the way my life is unfolding. I'm taking the calculated risk to apply later. It's a very in my mind, it's a very different thing to say. I'm going to attempt to do in 12 days what many people do in 12 weeks or 20 weeks right it can take months to write a good personal statement um our friend sunny nakai who's at california health sciences um she's likened it to having a baby no i've i've never birthed a child i don't know (laughs) but takes a long time to cook them and a long time to push them out (laughs) so Uh, Yeah, start, especially your personal statement, but other things as well. Start early, go slow and steady. You will be happier for it, whether or not you sign up for Application Academy. That is just general advice. Slow and steady is going to win this race. There you go. Oh, and just a a side note for Application Academy, we do have a scholarship for it based on the lovely donation from one of the students that we worked with this past cycle. Uh, If you go to applicationacademy.com slash scholarship, that will take you to the form to fill out. Nice. Yeah, that person is asked to be anonymous, but uh, we're thinking of him. Thank you. You're wonderful. (laughs) He's got another interview this week, too. Nice. -hmm. Next week, maybe. Yeah. All right. Malay, how to reach out to med schools about number of credits to take. It's really expensive. I'm having difficulty trying to afford my two classes right now. I'm not really sure what they can tell you. Um, Yeah. Vernia? I I would recommend Mapped App. Check out Mapped. Go ahead, get a free um, subscription to it or, you know, sign up for it. We can take a look at it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we can tell you what your, um, situ- you know, based on what information you provide, we can help you out. We can point you in the right directions, in the right direction, because medical schools won't really be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and just from the way this question's asked, it makes me think maybe it's someone who's newer to being pre-med. So actually, uh, our our teammate Carly, who's doing um, the production today, is also our blog writer. And she wrote or recently updated a great blog post we have that's just sort of a standing pre-med 101. So I'm putting that link here in the chat, Malay, so you can go check that out. Um, there, although it varies med school to med school, there are certain prereqs that are generally accepted to be required from all med schools. And then there's some variations. And also most med schools want to see at least 90 credits from a U.S. institution 
outside of the pre-med path, right? So, you know, there's certain pre-med requisite courses, and then also there's just the assumption that you have a bachelor's degree or some equivalent of it. Um, so uh, I'm not sure if that's kind of what you're getting at, but that that post that, well, I thought I posted a link. Maybe I didn't. Um, that might help you um, just sort of get a bigger sense of the what the steps I, are. I wonder if the question is more around uh, – is it okay to take one class versus two classes? Um, will they will they be concerned that I can't handle the rigors of med school if I'm not taking full course load each semester? And and so my answer to that is potentially, and you need to do what you need to do to get through this process. So um, I, again, I think the best answer Vernia gave uh, in terms of Go create a free account at mapped.com, M-A-P-P-D.com. You can use the referral code 30 days free for a free 30-day trial of Mapped Pro. Mapped is free forever. Track your classes, track your applications, track MCAT, all that fun stuff. Uh, but if you want to reach out to us as advisors, Mapped Pro will let you do that. Mapped Pro also includes my LORs, which is our new letter of recommendation, um, uh, mm -hmm. storage service and, and trans transmitting service. Um, and so during your free trial of Maps Pro, you can ask questions of us as well. So go make an account, put all your grades in, and then go over to that uh, pre-med advice or advising tab and uh, ask your questions there. I know we have to end on time. It's nine, eight to the hour. So we have time for one, maybe two more. Yeah. Kirk asks, what's a good amount of shadowing? Would clinical experience as a medical assistant count as shadowing or would that be separate? <sighs> Rachel, shadowing versus clinical. Yeah, I appreciate this question, Kirk, because it is a common source of confusion. They are two separate things. Now, you may find, oh, look at that. <laughs> um, you may find that sometimes in your clinical experience, you are given uh, chances to shadow. And that's it is possible that you're getting a mix. But when it comes to categorizing them, especially when you're talking about applying to allopathic schools, so... Um, if you look at Acomas in Texas, they tend to have categories that are just one big lump of healthcare experience. But AMCAS makes the specific distinction between clinical experience means direct patient care versus clinical observation is I am observing a physician, watching them. It says here this banner watching do direct care, which I think is something I actually wrote in the past, but shadowing is much more. It's also observing them when they're not at the patient bedside or in the patient room. It's watching them, you know, argue on the phone for hours with insurance. It's watching them, you know, do voice memos or do their own charting if they don't have a scribe. It's that whole experience. So even if you're getting a chance to observe physicians as a medical assistant, um, what you want to consider is, are you getting a chance to observe their whole day and not just doing work alongside them? Um, so... Sometimes I find that people who get a lot of clinical that has some shadowing mixed in can split it. You should never double dip. But for example, you might say, well, I had a thousand hours as a med A and I'm going to count 900 of it as clinical and 100 as shadowing because I feel like that's that 90-10 splint is a rough, rough estimate of how it actually worked in real life. And that that's OK, because activities, it's no black and white. There are no rules. It's all subjective. It's all on our system. So. Um, as long as you understand the distinction between the two, you can slice and dice that classification 
as matches your reality. Yep, yep. And drum roll, please. Might be our last one, or I don't know. Let's see. Carly says one more. Yeah, go ahead. Give us one more, Carly. Oh, yeah. Plenty of time. When I'm here, we end on time. Let's keep going. <laughs> it's just so hard to end on time and not run late. <laughs> Maybe for you. For me, yeah. I keep Yeah, you're better tight. at that than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone's busy uh, getting ready, getting their All application right. well, stuff ready. <laughs> comment. Uh, I'll remind you guys, if we don't get to your question today, Brian, Dr. Gray, mostly does IG Lives on Friday at... Um, when are they? 11 a.m. Eastern? 11 Eastern. And then uh, this this thing that has been asked mapped has been asked the dean that has now pre-med us office hours. This free live advising hour is Wednesdays at 1 p.m. almost every single week. Sometimes we skip at the end of the year, but mostly we're here. And you can always go back and watch the old live streams, too. Yep. Yep, yep. Deshaun asks, this might be a niche question. It's definitely niche, not niche. Um, niche question, but how do you write about a negative research experience in the um, uh, AMCAS application as an MSTP applicant? Negative meaning toxic environment, etc. Hmm. You don't. <laughs> you don't. Um, Verinia, uh, we talk about negativity a lot, whether it's mm -hmm. interview answers, essay answers. Um, Deshaun can write about um, impact and experience without focusing on the negativity, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. The whole, the whole um, idea is to talk about the experience doing research, the actual work of it, not the other stuff that was maybe going around in, in that particular situation so how did it impact you aside from the negativity that was going on how did just the I, the doing the research part of it right doing the work how did that impact you what kind of an impact did it have on your development um that's what you focus on right we we tell students all the time don't focus don't focus on negativity focus on what positive things came out of this experience yeah, that's it. Yeah, and that's not specific to research for um, MD, PhD, medical science training, right? It's for for anything. You got to be ne negativity is a quick app killer. Yes, definitely. It, it, so I was unclear on what MSTP stands for. Medical, medical science, science training program. program. Got it. Okay, thank you. Medical <laughs> science training program. So the the MSTP is typically uh, those are going to be the NIH funded. Okay. MD PhD programs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if there are any MSTP DO PhD programs, but I don't think so. Yeah, so yeah it's just that. a subset of MD PhD mm -hmm. that's particularly, you know, appealing because it's NIH funded. So, yeah, yeah. So focus on the positives, so things that you really enjoyed from that experience. Yeah, and um, I would also say because again, I think that this isn't just specific to this issue of research for this one applicant. Um, you learn things from negative experiences, right? So you can talk about the positives that come out of that in terms of what you learn, right? And I don't mean just like passive aggressive flipping it, like, well, I would never be the kind of person who made comments like that, because they're going to read that as negative, right? But just thinking about like, what does that, what does that make you want out of your future? And also, 
um, remembering that we create our community. So in this case, it sounds like maybe you felt kind of too overpowered in the community to, to impact it the way you wanted. But as you go further in your career, you're going to shape that more and more. So, um, I mean, I'm really sorry it happened to you. I'm not, I'm not trying to say it's a good thing. I'm just saying it's like, it is a weird silver, silver lining that you get to learn from that. Yeah. Good point. All right, friends, we have come to a close here at Pre-Med Office Hours. We gave you lots of places to go to continue to interact with us. First and foremost being MAPPED, M-A-P-P-D. Use the referral code 30 days free, which will give you access to MAPPED Pro for 30 days. At the end of that 30 days, you are free to continue to use MAPPED uh, forever to track your courses, your activities, your applications, all of that fun stuff. Remember, starting next week, January 23rd, 2023, I, I um, am donning it Michael Jordan Day, uh, 2323, um, because I grew up a big Michael Jordan fan, so why not? Um, my LORs will be released to all Mapped Pro users where you can request, store, and transmit your letters of recommendations when the application service opens. Um, we also gave you information about our workshop next week, Thursday, 11, 11, 26, 126 at 3.30 Eastern. It's a reapplication workshop where we're going to help you stick to your plan B. Uh, we are a no plan B family here. Uh, we, we think if you want to go to med school, figure out how to get into med school. Plan B should be figuring that out. That's what that workshop is going to be all uh, about. I, I'm for plan B in certain circumstances. I yeah. just want to say. <laughs> yes. I'm just saying when you're talking about med school. If you, you have a 52-ish dollar charge at CVS or Walgreens <laughs> at eight something in the morning, we're all for that. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, let's 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 keep rocking and rolling. Anything else we miss, friends? Uh, application Academy. That's application the other big thing. Academy. We talked about a lot of resources for you. So Application Academy is an amazing deal. I mean, admissions is really expensive. Getting advising help is really expensive, especially if it's one-on-one. -on -one. This is a $600 investment. It's still expensive. I'm not pretending that's not a lot of money, but it is significantly less expensive than most advising um, resources. Uh, and we do have the scholarship available. So check it out. Yeah, I, I, I actually like secretly think it's better than uh, a one on one advising because you get so much access to us. Yeah. So, yeah. That said, one of the things that I often because I talk to a lot of prospective students who are considering enrolling is if you buy at least 10 hours of application cycle advising with us, you get applicants application academy so i feel like for the people who have the means to afford that one-on-one -on -one or just really like the idea of some private sessions you can get best of both worlds you can get best the one-on-one -on -one time so you can you know kind of ask the tougher more vulnerable questions privately if you're not ready to do it in a group you can get someone to review your entire personal statement but then you also have that community 10 sessions a week i think particularly because often in pre-med life when you've got a question in your brain it's like burning until you get the answer Right. And I love the idea that you can drop into a class mm -hmm. 10 times a week to ask that question. And on that note, we're out. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see Bye. you soon. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it 
for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.